You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast. A new war has broken out in countries all around the world. In past years, divisions based on class and religion tore societies apart. But this new factionalism is based on something we've rarely seen before. We are at war over the year of your birth. Intergenerational anger is growing across the developed world. A recent poll of Americans found that 51% of millennials blame the baby boomers for ruining their lives. The reason for the seething anger can be explained with some statistics. Millennials have about half as many assets as baby boomers did at the same point in their lives. Medium income has declined for 25 to 34-year-olds by 20% over the last 30 years. The cost of a post-secondary education has exploded as well. Adjusted for inflation, baby boomers paid between zero and $1,000 per year for university. Today, that price is $10,000, saddling millennials with an average debt of $16,000. This can help explain the massive difference in voting patterns between these two generations. In Australia, 70% of baby boomers vote conservative. For millennials, it's exactly the reverse. 70% vote Labor. There has never been that stark of a difference in generational voting habits. And that difference is being reflected in the policies governments are implementing. Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has passed consecutive federal budgets that heavily favour wealthy boomers over poorer millennials. He's not the first Conservative politician to pander so obviously to the boomer voting bloc, the result of which the average household of 55 to 64-year-olds in Australia is $300,000 richer than the same group was in 2003. 64 to 74-year-olds are on average $500,000 richer. Their tax rate, meanwhile, has been cut in half over that same period. But if you ask the average boomer what they think of millennials, you'll usually hear a slight variation on the theme, lazy, entitled, pampered. That opinion was typified in this segment on that bastion of boomer news in the US Fox News a few years ago. One millennial says he is fed up with his generation and he is calling them all out. In a New York Post piece, he writes this, perhaps their messiah complex is a result of being coddled, petted and worshipped like toy poodles from (laughs) infancy all the way to college. Pundits love to cite soccer participation trophies and the downfall of the Western civilization, but it gets even worse. Caught between these warring age groups is the generation I belong to, Generation X. Far smaller than either the boomers or the millennials, Gen Xs tend to resent the boomers for hogging the limelight for most of their lives, and they tend to dislike the millennials for having it far easier than they did. This age-based factionalism isn't just reshaping politics, it's changing business too. Managing a workforce composed of these three generations is becoming increasingly difficult. Back in episode 33, I was joined by Lee Carraher to discuss those difficulties. Lee is the founder of a communications firm based in Silicon Valley. She was sick of exes and millennials complaining about the boomers in her company. So she decided to do something about it. You can help millennials thrive. Everybody benefits. 
right? There's nothing you'll do for a millennial to help them thrive and achieve that will not help boomers and Xers. So that's my first definitive thing. So if you're, you're helping a millennial thrive in turn, you will help you're yourself. helping the rest of the workplace. You're helping the, the Xers the and the boomers that are there with them. Yeah. Let them thrive. Let them thrive. And what thriving means is they, uh, millennials want work that matters, right? Right. And they want work that matters. And sometimes they're not explained, I'm an entry-level job, I'm the bottom layer, my work doesn't matter. We need to take the time at the beginning of any engagement to explain, one, what your role is and what everybody else's role is, how my work impacts other people's work, right? Because there is no job that people get that doesn't have to get done. But we don't necessarily take the time to explain, yes, you're entry level, but your work is vital to the team. And if you don't get your work done, the team doesn't achieve its goal. And if the team doesn't achieve its goal, the company will not achieve its goal. So really explaining the context of what the work is and my role in that work and then how it's all interdependent. So taking that half an hour hour at the beginning of a project to explain context and roles and who's doing what and why it all matters is vital for a millennial and for everybody else. Who doesn't do a better job when they know what their work is? Exactly. Everybody does a better job. Everybody how their efforts contribute to the whole, yeah. of course. But so you're saying for, that's always important. That's a, that's a fundamental of teamwork. But for millennials, that's super important. They're really it's sensitive to that. Fundamental. Fundamental. Right. And to reset, right? What is, um, a lot of times you just add another person to the team and you don't reset. Well, if you add a person to the team, obviously the team has changed. Yep. So every time you add a person to the team, chain, you know, you have to take a moment and say, okay, we added Joe. Joe's responsibility is X, Y, Z. So what, how does that impact Lee? Well, that means Lee is going to do X, Y, you know, A, B, C, and, you know, just take a moment to reset. So everyone understands what just happened when a change happens, right? That's number one. So context and role definition, really important for everybody, right? The other piece I think is setting up, asking for feedback always. Millennials want to make a difference day one. They, you know, I'm here to make a difference. I only want work where I matter and I can be a part of the team. It's sort of like being on a, a rowing team, right? If the one person in the middle doesn't row, the boat goes around in a circle, right? They're used to having as equal weight in the rowing. And so when you're thinking about that, it's what can I do to make sure that the skill set is there and all that kind of thing, right? Does that make sense? so that everybody is clear on that. And what is the opportunity for growth there? The other piece of that is for the feedback mechanism is to not allow constant feedback to be required. And how that really helps is, okay, the project is due on Thursday, next Thursday, we're in a week. So it's due here. Now we're going to set up a, we're going to have a check-in. We're going to have a check-in in a day to make sure we're good. We're going to have a check-in in three days. We're going to put some more time in and a check-in the day before. We're not going to have a check-in all every single day. Are you saying that because if you don't put in those guidelines, millennials will tend to want to be checked in on all the time? The they want to be talking about this constantly with you. Yes. And that's also the crowdsourcing concept for them is constant. It's a constant crowdsourcing. That's not very efficient in the workplace. So establishing a check-in schedule is vital for efficiency and also making sure everyone is on the right path, right? And as people, it's really important. I think something to think about is the difference in, do you play video games, David? No, I don't. Okay, well, okay. Video games used to come on, used to come on cartridges, right? Mm -hmm. 
Do you remember that? I do. And they were perfect. When they shipped a video game, it was perfect. Today, most games are played on something like this, a phone. Yeah. And you get an update every Tuesday. Your phone like downloads all the updates. Right. And the right. game is getting improved all the time. Yeah. It's very static in the cartridge, isn't it? Yeah. Very static. The static world doesn't exist anymore. Right. right? So this constant and millennials are used to contributing to the quality of a product all the time, that their right. feedback will matter to a product. And that that dynamic and their concept is that that should be the same concept in work. Of course, <sighs> I'm going to give feedback and it's going to be accepted and the product will improve. So we just have to think about all these things together. So if you ask for feedback always, it doesn't mean you have to take it. I believe that businesses should be high input, low democracy. You take, ask for feedback, all that kind of stuff, right? And the fourth thing is to say to millennials, and this is for true for everybody, I know you have a lot of ideas. I know you can improve my work. I already know that you can do that. You ha- you're going to have so many ideas on how to streamline the work and what hacks we can use. My request for you is to do it my way first, and then we'll meet, and you can tell me how we can improve it. But if you just come in day one and say, I have a lot of ideas, I'm not going to do it this way, all you're doing is putting everyone else's back up and saying, you're not going to honor all the work I've done to create this process. Well, there's a reason we do this this way, right? So if you say to anybody on your team, please do it my way first, and then we'll improve it. That says to the person, one, I'm going to have an opportunity to input. I'm going to have an opportunity to improve. And then at the same time is honoring the person who is assigning the work. Jeez, that's a great piece of advice, Lee. That's so simple, but really well put. All right. Well, what about the millennials then? What can they do to meet us halfway along the bridge? Yeah, which is um, my book, which you have read, right? Um, you yes. know, it's built for to be read by both millennials. Well, it's both for everyone. built to be read by the whole teams, right? Both sides, because not one side can carry this ball. And I think that sometimes that's really the problem with business books is that, you know, management goes off and reads something and then comes back with all new ideas. And the other people are going, what the hell just happened to the vocabulary? So... The millennial, I think, has to can do many things. One is can say, can wait their turn in terms of, I would like to talk to the CEO after I have 30 days under my belt, or I want to talk to that manager after I have 30 days under my belt. So I have something, you know, a contextual to say, number one. Number two is to say, is not to just dive in and try to fix everything day one. You're going to see so many ways you can make a difference. Oh my goodness, you are, right? But just to take a moment and then, you know, do something their way and then come back. I have some ideas on how we can streamline. The third piece is I always ask everybody to find a mentor within the organization as soon as you can. And a mentor who's at least five, six, seven years older than you, because that uh, frame of reference, particularly, you know, five, six, seven years is a long time right now. It didn't used to be so seven years didn't used to be a long time. It is a long time today. And then with that mentor and mentee to exchange reading lists, so what are the things I read every day? What are the things you read every day? And if we can just exchange reading lists, it, you get an idea of how people are informed. Jeez, that's a great idea. Because we all, you know, in there are different news services or yep. feeds that each generation, you know, gets on and that they like, right? Yep. And if you could just exchange the sources just for a month, you're going to have yeah. a different point of view. Like, oh my gosh, who knew these things, right? And yeah. you see this and there's just a lot more informing each other that can happen. That's a great piece of advice, Lee. I love that one. Right. Those three things for a millennial. And then the last piece is to ask questions, to, you know, come with a set of questions like, how 
are documents, you know, so I, I say I have to give you a draft. What does that look like? How do you want it? <laughs> to ask those questions so you know what format people want. Or to say things like, how does, and th- how do things get approved here? Because you may not be able to see all the interdependencies. So if you ask a lot of questions, sort of those unspoken rules that are in a culture, if they're not told to you, you'll never know. If you intend to run a successful business in the future, you need to have a plan on how these three generations can form positive, productive working relationships. Being able to manage these generational rifts is one of the biggest challenges facing businesses and nations in the 21st century. But the old hating the young and vice versa is nothing new. 2,500 years ago, Aristotle wrote, young people are high-minded because they have not yet been humbled by life nor have they experienced the force of circumstances. I guess some things never change. I hope you enjoyed this bite-sized portion of the Team Guru podcast. I'll be back next week as I continue my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.